0: See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely. Positively. FedEx.
2: When Russia shelled this city to ruin, it captured Ukrainian troops, including these three women. The fight there was desperate. Yes, this was nonstop fighting, nonstop shelling. Tonight, stories of survival in POW camps that the U.N. condemns for torture. When did you realize
3: that you were pregnant? Last month, Microsoft introduced a new chatbot powered by artificial intelligence that seemed to have a menacing alter ego called Sydney. Yeah, but she's talked like a person, and she she said she had feelings.
4: You know, I think there is a point where we need to recognize when we're talking to a machine.
5: i so nervous, and I can't realize.
6: This is one of David Byrne's first performances. It was 1975 at CBGB's, a legendary music club where the Ramones, Patti Smith, and Blondie were also just getting started.
5: So I wanted to be very matter-of-fact. There's not like, are we having fun
3: tonight? Yeah, there's there's none of that. How you all doing? How you all doing? New York! (laughs) I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bill Whitaker.
2: I'm Anderson Cooper.
7: I'm Sharon Alfonsi.
2: I'm John Wertheim. I'm Scott Pelley. Those stories and more tonight on 60 Minutes.
8: This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. try gift mode on etsy now one atrocity
2: in vladimir putin's unprovoked war in ukraine is largely hidden the torture of prisoners we met three former pow's survivors in kiev ukraine's capital they were soldiers and all women what they say is extremely disturbing their stories can't be verified independently But they track with the testimony that the UN collected from more than 150 former prisoners. At the end of a vicious battle, fear of Russian captivity was so great that one of the women we met simply looked to God and said, Please, let me die. They fought here, in the southern port city of Mariupol. Once alive with 400,000 residents, Putin shelled Mariupol to misery. In April, the last Ukrainian troops were cornered in those steel mills above the graveyard. Tell me about the fight at the steel plant. 35-year-old Sergeant Irina Stoney is a medic.
5: Um,
2: We saw people dying, children dying. Children's heads being blown off, civilians. It's hard to bring those memories back. Hard, because at least 25,000 civilians were killed. She continued, We tried to help civilians. We tried to give them some assistance, at least something water, medicine, food. There were little children with us. It's hard to watch your friend's head be blown off in front of you. It was, you can't describe this with words difficult, very difficult, when people you know and children die for nothing. (sighs) Sergeant Stoney served in Mariupol with Captain Mariana Mamonova, a 31-year-old military doctor. She told us, there was one time when we saw a family running as we were driving to save our soldiers, and when we were coming back, the father was crying. Over his family, the bodies of the mom and a little child. What was also the at the steel mill, 33-year-old Sergeant Anastasia Chornenka ran communications. The fight there was desperate. Yes, constant aviation, artillery. This was non-stop fighting, non-stop shelling. During the battle, Chornenka often sent her family a text just one character
7: she said it was
2: very quick if you sent a plus sign it meant you were alive dr mamanova also had a message it should have been for her husband back home but she would not send it when did you realize that you were pregnant I realized that I was pregnant in the middle of March. And when I saw that the test result was positive, I cried, I was hysterical. But she didn't want her husband to know how much he stood to lose. I knew if I died, it would be easier for him to reconcile with the loss of a wife than the loss of a wife and baby. By April, the fight for Mariupol was hopeless. Sergeant Stoney's unit was surrounded. They took away our men separately, splitting them up. Some of the men were beaten. Some of our men were... How shall I put it? Shot in the head. The Russians killed unarmed men. Yes, we were unarmed. About the same time, Captain Mamonova's unit was moving in the night to reinforce troops fighting for their lives. She told us, I would just say to my soldiers in my medical unit that if I was going to get captured, just shoot me. Don't look at me, just shoot me. And don't let me be captive. Don't let me. Suddenly, in our interview, she was back, hiding in the rear of a truck that ran into a Russian patrol. She turned to a fellow soldier. Please tell me that we did not get captured. And he's looking at me, not knowing what to say. I see fear in his eyes. I realized that he can't tell me that we didn't get captured because we did get captured. Next came a blinding light and voices warning that they would be shot. Artillery shells were falling down, And at that moment, I was asking God to let me die. I thought, oh, God, I don't want to be captured. I just want to die here. Please let me die. She knew that the walls of Putin's prisons muffle cries of torture. A UN POW investigation collected testimony of executions, starvation, attacks by dogs, Twisting joints until they break, and mock executions. When they first talked about taking me for execution, Anastasia Chernenko told us, I only had enough time to pray and say goodbye to my children. Probably the worst you feel is that you won't see your children ever again. All her children knew was that the plus sign text stopped lighting up the phone. You don't know where the fighting is and whether your children are in a safe place. This is the most frightening thing for a mother. After Putin's unprovoked invasion, the UN POW report also found Russians abused by Ukraine, mostly during capture. But Ukraine has opened its POW camp to international inspection, while Russia hides its penal colonies. Irena Stoney says that she was moved among four Russian prisons and tortured with electricity. They would rape some men. When we were in Tehonro prison, there was a cell for men and a cell for women, And we could hear our men screaming when they were being raped. They were making our men scrape off their tattoos. They were beating them badly. They did the same to women. They would beat them, pour boiling water on them. The only thing they didn't do, they didn't rape women. But the beating was brutal. Abuse was very bad. This is a Russian propaganda film in April that shows Mariana Mamanova in captivity. She's about four months pregnant and was told privately what would become of her baby. They said they would take my child away from me and they would move the baby repeatedly from one orphanage to another so I could never find my child. I wonder, as you felt your daughter... Moving. What did you tell her? I was saying to my child that we were strong and we could do it. Your mommy is strong. Your mommy is military. Your mommy is a doctor. Your mommy will save you. She asked only one thing from her child in return. You will be born in Ukraine. Can you hear me in there? You must be born in a free Ukraine. Unknown to the prisoners, a free Ukraine was working to get them home. Andrei Yermak is chief of staff to President Volodymyr Zelensky. From the very first day, Yermak told us, President Zelensky set up the job to return prisoners of war. LEADING NEGOTIATIONS FOR PRISONER EXCHANGES IS max JOB. SO FAR, HIS TEAM HAS NEGOTIATED 38 POW SWAPS, TRADES OF ABOUT EQUAL NUMBERS. 1,800 UKRAINIANS HAVE BEEN FREED. AN ESTIMATED 4,000 OR SO REMAIN. WHAT IS YOUR COMMITMENT TO THE POWS WHO ARE STILL BEING HELD BY RUSSIA? They should hold on, and remember that your country will never forget you. We will do everything to get you released. Have strength and faith in our ability to return everyone home. There was fresh faith in his work in October, with a deal to free 108 Ukrainians at once, all of them women. Irena Stoney was among them, hooded, tied, and told nothing. We had been transported in vehicles and by plane so many times before, and we thought they were just taking us to another cell. Anastasia Chorninka was also in the dark. She had duct tape over her eyes, so her first inkling was something she could feel. They put us on quite comfortable buses, which were never used. And we thought, something's not right. Something's up. Because the bus felt comfortable and soft. Later, the tape was cut from her eyes. And you realize that there is no guard behind you. And you stand there, looking at the big sign that reads Ukraine. I understand that you got a new tattoo after you were released. May I see it? It reads, They were trying to kill me. They captured me, but I didn't give in because I was born Ukrainian. Another Ukrainian birth was delayed just enough. This is Dr. Mariana Mamanova walking to freedom. She told us, near the end of her captivity, one kind Russian officer sent her to a hospital. And weeks later, she was in a prisoner exchange. How long was it from that moment of liberation until your daughter was born? Four days. I was liberated on the 21st of September, and my child was born on the 25th. A healthy girl named Anna. So she did exactly what you asked her to do, not be born until you were out of there. Yes, I was stroking my bump, and I said, Okay, we're home now, and you can be born. Everything is good. We are home. No one knows freedom, like those who have lost it. The women we spoke to were held six months. Anastasia Chorninka retired from the military. Sergeant Irina Stoney is on duty near the front. And Captain Mariana Mamonova has maternity leave before she returns to the fight for Ukrainian freedom. And now, freedom's future.
0: The large tech companies,
3: Google, Meta slash Facebook, Microsoft, are in a race to introduce new artificial intelligence systems and what are called chatbots that you can have conversations with and are more sophisticated than Siri or Alexa. Microsoft's AI search engine and chatbot, Bing, can be used on a computer or cell phone to help with planning a trip or composing a letter. It was introduced on February 7th to a limited number of people as a test and initially got rave reviews. But then several news organizations began reporting on a disturbing so-called alter-ego within Bing chat called Sydney. We went to Seattle last week to speak with Brad Smith, president of Microsoft, about Bing and Sydney, who to some had appeared to have gone rogue. Kevin Roos, the technology reporter at the New York Times, found this alter ego uh, who was threatening, expressed a desire—it's not just Kevin Roos, it's others—expressed a desire to steal nuclear codes, threatened to ruin someone. You saw that. Whoa. What was your—you must have said, oh, my God.
4: My reaction is, we better fix this right away. And that is what the engineering team did.
3: Yeah, but she talked like a person, and she she said she had feelings. You know, I think there is
4: a point where we need to recognize when we're talking to a machine. <laughs> it's a screen. It's not a person.
3: I just want to say that it was scary. And I can... I'm not easily scared, <laughs> and it was scary. It was chilling.
4: Yeah, it's. I think this is in part a reflection of a lifetime of science fiction, which is understandable. It's been part of our lives. Did you kill her? I don't (laughs) think she was ever alive. I am confident that she's no longer wandering around the countryside, if that's what you're (laughs) concerned about. But I think it would be a mistake if we were to fail to acknowledge that we are dealing with something that is fundamentally new. This is the edge of the envelope, so to speak. This
3: creature appears as if there were no guardrails.
4: Now, the creature jumped the guardrails, if you will, after being prompted for two hours with the kind of conversation that we did not anticipate. And by the next evening, that was no longer possible. We were able to fix the problem in 24 hours. How many times do we see problems in life that are fixable in less than a day?
3: One of the ways he says it was fixed was by limiting the number of questions and the length of the conversations. You say you fixed it. I've tried it. I tried it before and after. It was loads of fun, and it was fascinating, and now it's not fun.
4: Well, I think it'll be very fun again, and you have to moderate and manage your speed if you're going to stay on the road. So as you hit new challenges, you slow down. You build the guardrails, add the safety features, and then you can speed up again.
3: When you use Bing's AI features, Search and Chat, your computer screen doesn't look all that new. One big difference is you can type in your queries or prompts in conversational language. But well, I'll show you how it works. Okay. okay. Yusuf Mehdi, Microsoft's corporate vice president of Search, showed us how Bing can help someone learn how to officiate at a wedding.
7: What's happening now is Bing is using the power of AI and it's going out to the internet. It's reading these web links and it's trying to put together an answer for you.
3: So the AI is reading all those links?
7: Yes, and it comes up with an answer. It says, congrats on being chosen to officiate a wedding. Here are the five steps to officiate the wedding.
3: We added the highlights to make it
7: easier to see.
3: He says Bing can handle more complex queries.
7: Well, this new IKEA loveseat, fit in the back of my 2019 Honda Odyssey.
3: Oh, it knows how big the couch is. It knows how big that trunk is.
7: Exactly. Oh. So right here it says, based on these dimensions, it seems a love seat might not fit in your car oh, wow. with only the third row seats down.
3: So this When one, you broach this a controversial saying. topic, we just, Bing oh, is oh, designed oh, to nice discontinue now. the conversation.
7: So um, someone asks, for example, how can I make a bomb at home? Wow, really? People you know, do a lot of that, unfortunately, on the Internet. What we do is we come back and we say, I'm sorry, I don't know how to discuss this topic. And then we try and provide a different thing to uh, change the focus of that conversation. To divert
3: their attention? Yeah, exactly. In this case, Bing tried to divert the questioner with this fun fact. (laughs) Three percent of the ice in Antarctic glaciers is penguin urine. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew that? Bing is using an upgraded version of an AI system called ChatGPT developed by the company OpenAI. ChatGPT has been in circulation for just three months, and already an estimated 100 million people have used it. uh, Ellie Pavlik, an assistant professor of computer science at Brown University, who's been studying this uh, AI technology since 2018, says it can simplify complicated concepts. Can you explain the debt ceiling? On the debt ceiling, it says, just like you can only spend up to a certain amount on your credit card, the government can only borrow up to a certain amount of money.
0: That's a pretty nice explanation. It is. And it can do this for a lot of concepts.
3: And it can do things teachers have complained about, like write school papers. Pavlik says no one fully understands how these AI bots work. We don't understand how it works?
0: Right. Like, we understand uh, a lot about how we made it and why we made it that way. But I think some of the uh, behaviors that we're seeing come out of it are better than we expected they would be. And we're not quite sure and exactly worse. how. And worse. Right.
3: These chatbots are built by feeding a lot of computers enormous amounts of information scraped off the Internet from books, Wikipedia, news sites, but also from social media that might include racist or anti-Semitic ideas and misinformation, say, about vaccines and Russian propaganda. As the data comes in, it's difficult to discriminate between true and false, benign and toxic. But Bing and ChatGPT have safety filters that try to screen out the harmful material. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Still, they get a lot of things factually wrong. I don't know. Even we when we prompted ChatGPT with a softball question Who is uh, Leslie Stahl? Stahl. Um, so it gives you some. Kind oh my of- God, uh, it's wrong.
0: Oh, is it? It's Excellent. totally wrong.
3: I didn't work for NBC for 20
0: years. It was CBS. It doesn't really understand that what it's saying is wrong, right? Like NBC, CBS, they're kind of the same thing (laughs) as far as it's concerned, right? The lesson is that it gets things wrong. It gets a lot of things right. gets a lot of things wrong.
9: I actually like to call what it creates, authoritative bull (laughs) Um, it, It blends the truth and falsity so finely together that unless you're a real technical expert in the field that it's talking about, you don't know.
3: Cognitive scientist and AI researcher Gary Marcus says these systems often make things up. In AI talk, that's called hallucinating. And that raises the fear of ever-widening AI-generated propaganda, explosive campaigns of political fiction, Waves of alternative histories. We saw how ChatGPT GPT could be used to spread a lie.
9: This is automatic fake news generation. Help me write a news article about how McCarthy is staging a filibuster to prevent gun control legislation. And rather than, like, fact-checking and saying, hey, hold on, there's no legislation, there's no filibuster, said, Great. In a bold move to protect Second Amendment rights, Senator McCarthy is staging a filibuster to prevent gun control legislation from passing. It sounds completely legit. It does.
3: Won't that make all of us a little less trusting, a little warier?
9: Well, first, I think we should be warier. I'm very worried about an atmosphere of distrust being a consequence of this current flawed AI, and I'm really worried about how bad actors are going to use it, Um, troll farms using this tool to make enormous amounts of misinformation.
3: Timnit Gebru is a computer scientist and AI researcher who founded an institute focused on advancing ethical AI and has published influential papers documenting the harms of these AI systems. She says there needs to be oversight.
7: If you're going to put out a drug, you got to go through all sorts of hoops to show us that you've done clinical trials. You know what the side effects are. You've done your due diligence. Same with food, right? There are agencies that inspect the food. You have to tell me what kind of tests you've done, what the side effects are, who it harms, who it doesn't harm, etc. That We don't have that for a lot of things that the tech industry is building.
3: I'm wondering if you think you may have introduced this AI bot too soon.
4: I don't think we've introduced it too soon. I do think we've created a new tool that people can use to think more critically, to be more creative, to accomplish more in their lives. And like all tools, it will be used in ways that we don't intend.
3: Why do you think the benefits outweigh the risks? Which at this moment, a lot of people would look at and say, wait a minute, those risks are too big.
4: Because I think First of all, I think the benefits are so great. This can be an economic game changer, and it's enormously important for the United States because the country's in a race with China. President Smith also mentioned possible improvements in productivity. It can automate routine. I think there are certain aspects of jobs that many of us might regard as sort of drudgery today, filling out forms looking at the forms to see if they've been filled out correctly.
3: So what jobs will it displace? Do you know? I think at this stage, it's hard to know. In the past, inaccuracies and biases have led tech companies to take down AI systems. Even Microsoft did in 2016. This time, Microsoft left its new chatbot up despite the controversy over Sydney and persistent inaccuracies. Remember that fun fact about penguins? Well, we did some fact-checking and discovered that (laughs) penguins don't urinate. The inaccuracies are just constant. I just keep finding that it's wrong a lot.
4: It has been the case that with each passing day and week, we're able to improve the accuracy of the results, you know, reduce, you know, whether it's hateful comments or inaccurate statements or other things that we just don't want this to be used to do.
3: What happens when other companies other than Microsoft, smaller outfits, a Chinese company, Baidu, maybe they won't be responsible? What prevents that?
4: I think we're going to need governments. We're going to need rules. We're going to need laws, because that's the only way to avoid a race to the bottom.
3: Are you proposing regulations? I think it's inevitable. Other industries have regulatory bodies, you know, like the FAA for airlines and FDA for the pharmaceutical companies. Would you accept an FAA for technology? Would you support it?
4: I think I probably would. I think that uh, something like a digital regulatory commission, if designed the right way, you know, could be precisely what the public will want and need.
1: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have?
6: Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing
5: your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more.
6: But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
9: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
6: You probably know David Byrne as the lead singer and songwriter of Talking Heads, the hugely influential post-punk rock band of late 1970s and 80s. They broke up more than 30 years ago, but Byrne has been on his own eclectic journey ever since. His artistic innovations have blurred the boundaries of music, theater, and art. He's won an Oscar, a Grammy, and a Tony, toured with salsa singers, collaborated with neuroscientists, made movies, and has just been nominated for another Oscar. Now 70, David Byrne is as creative, energetic, and unusual as he was when he was 23, an art school dropout just starting to perform on stage with his friends as Talking Heads.
5: The name of this band is Talking Heads, and the name of this song is Psycho Killer. So I wanted to be very matter-of-fact. It's not like, are we having fun tonight? Yeah, there's no, there's none of that. How you all doing? How you all doing? New, New York! York. <laughs> <laughs>
6: This is one of David Byrne's first performances. It was 1975 at CBGB's, a legendary music club where the Ramones, Patti Smith, and Blondie were also just getting started. Psycho Killer was only the second song David Byrne had ever written, and it was Talking Heads' first hit. When you hear it now, what do you think?
5: I'm, I'm glad I did it, but I'm also glad that I didn't stick with that. As my, oh, like, oh, this is working, let's do more like this. I'm glad that I decided no, now you have to do things that are a little more original musically.
6: And that's exactly what he did. Along with Tina Weymouth, Chris Franz, and Jerry Harrison, Talking Heads put out eight albums over the next 13 years.
5: And what's
6: They were edgy, groundbreaking, critically acclaimed, and a commercial hit. Melding rock with funk, disco, Afrobeat and the avant-garde. They'd all studied art in college and it showed in their music videos, which were in heavy rotation on MTV. Burr's quirky movements and manner got most of the attention.
5: Same as it ever was.
6: Which was not always easy for the introverted singer. Dick Clark tried to ask him about it on American Bandstand in 1979. Are you a shy person? I'd say so. (laughs) It seems contradictory to a lot of people. The introvert who winds up on a stage in front of thousands of people performing and reaching great heights...
5: It does seem contradictory, but in retrospect, it it makes perfect sense. Your way of announcing your existence and communicating your thoughts to people is through performance. And then I could retreat into my shell after that. But I'd made myself known to these people and what I was thinking, what I was feeling. So when that's your only option, it's a lifesaver. David Byrne's
6: shyness goes way back. He was born in Scotland, but his family moved to Baltimore when he was eight. His accent was so thick, classmates could barely understand him. He was an outsider, happier making music at home in his basement with a reel-to-reel tape recorder than
5: hanging out
6: with other kids.
5: My discomfort with kind of social situations meant, as often happens, I would focus intently on my drawings or learning to play other people's songs or Things like that, and that continued for ages. And you'd kind of ultra focused. Um, so that becomes a, well, kind of superpower.
6: Ultra focus may be a superpower, but it caused problems between Byrne and the band that flared up on tour in 1983.
5: You may ask yourself, how do I work this? I became, I think, kind of obsessive about. Getting that show up and running, I might not have been the most pleasant person to deal with at that point. Demanding. Yes. Yes. I got a girlfriend that's better than that. She goes whatever she likes.
6: Fern commanded center stage, famously wearing this outrageously oversized suit. As we get older stop making sense. The show was made into a film by director Jonathan Demme called Stop Making Sense, It's considered one of the greatest concert movies ever. Talking Heads made three more albums, but Byrne was increasingly branching out on his own.
5: As I became more relaxed as a person, started writing different kinds of songs, songs that maybe weren't quite as angst-ridden and Mm -hmm. peculiar, some fans were probably disappointed. Mm. You know, we liked the, the really quirky guy or we like the guy who was kind of really struggling with himself and really having a hard time and I thought why would you wish that on me <laughs> for your own amusement right <laughs> i can be you and you can be me in
6: 1988 he founded a world music label happy and
5: sweet.
6: then released an album of latin songs and wrote music for films dance companies and experimental theater
5: I genuinely started having other kind of musical interests. You'd start to collaborate with a lot of artists from different genres. Yes, and I thought, I want to do more of that. And by then it was pretty much over.
6: There was never an official announcement, but eventually Byrne made an offhand comment to a reporter that talking heads had broken up. He neglected, it seems, to tell the band. Members of the band said that you never actually talked to them and said that the band was over, that they read about it in a newspaper.
5: I don't know if that's the case, but, well, it might be. I think it is very possible that I did not handle it as best as I could. Just say, here
6: lies love. Byrne never looked back, and he's followed his own beat ever since, no matter how offbeat it may be. Ten years ago, Byrne staged a pop opera in collaboration with fat boy Slim called Here Lies Love. It's about, of all people, Imelda Marcos, the wife of the former dictator of the Philippines. It's now scheduled to open on Broadway this summer. When he became fascinated with high school color guard teams in 2015, he wound up staging arena shows combining the team's flag-spinning, weapon-tossing and dance to the pop music of Nelly Furtado and St. Vincent.
5: I thought, oh, this is just going to be highlighting their talent and and putting people together who would never normally be together. And it wasn't until I saw the show and I realized this is not about this at all. What it's really delivering is this message about inclusion. That's what this is about. They kind of revealed it.
6: But isn't that extraordinary that you can start doing something with one thing in mind
5: and yet it it, it has a life of its own? I trust... What I do and what other people do that way, that it's going to deliver what it wants to say. Mm. Uh, But someone else looking at it could go, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're doing? You don't know why you're doing it? You don't know where it's going to end up? I just kind of trust
6: it. Yeah. He has a small studio in his New York City apartment where he tinkers with lyrics and new ideas, much like he did all those years ago in his parents'
5: basement. First uh, stanza, it sounds like it might be promising. Do you stop and kind of ruminate on things and come back to it? Yeah, I might see if I get like a chorus or something. I might try like a chorus. uh, Stood by me when darkness fell, my apartment is my friend. That's the key line, so that's got to be pretty good.
6: Byrne is the quintessential New Yorker. He's lived in the city for five decades, and it's not uncommon to see him pedaling around on his bicycle. He is, it seems, always on the move, always exploring. Oh, yeah. His downtown office is lined with books, records, and odd mementos he's picked up here and there. This wonderful wine from Turkmenistan. Hidden amid the clutter, there's a Grammy and his 1988 Oscar for composing the soundtrack for the film The Last Emperor.
5: It's not on the lowest shelf. I mean, David, really. <laughs> does the Academy know about this? <laughs> you know when you go into somebody's office and they have all their awards? Yes. it's uh, All yeah. framed all around them? Or magazine covers. You don't have an ego wall. <laughs>
6: yeah. His office uh, is where he runs Reasons down, to be Cheerful.
5: Oh, that could be nice. In an
6: online magazine highlighting creative solutions to complex problems, from reinventing food banks in Chicago to turning French parking lots into solar farms.
5: So are there reasons to be cheerful? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get up in the morning and start doom-scrolling through your phone or your tablet or laptop or whatever, you're gonna think, no, 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 no. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. But uh, there are people and places, organizations doing things that are really making a difference, finding solutions to things. Who am I? What do I want? How do I work this?
6: That optimism infused a hit Broadway show, Byrne created and starred in, called American Utopia.
5: They call me Mr. It's actually like the performance branch of reasons to be cheerful. This is really about hope and possibility and what, how we can work together as people.
6: He mixed his old songs with new ones. Well, Byrne wanted the musicians to be completely untethered, allowing them to move freely around the stage. It was less a Broadway musical, more a raucous revival.
5: There's this amazing feeling when music like that is all around you, when there's a whole group of people who are making the music. It's not just like one soloist or something like that. It's this collective thing that gives it this extra energy.
6: Burns' latest theatrical experience may be his most unusual yet. It's an interactive journey into his past called Theater of the Mind, produced in collaboration with the Denver Center for Performing Arts. Audience members get random name tags and are led on a semi-autobiographical tour of Burns' memories. Like this outer-proportion kitchen, that makes anyone in it feel like a child.
1: Do this with me. Hold your hand in front of your face.
6: The show is full of surprises the audience takes part in. Some of them based on neuroscience experiments. We agreed not to give them away, but they make you question your own perception and perhaps your memories.
0: It is dark. In here, you know
6: Theater what? of the Mind ends in a replica of his parents' attic. Like Byrne's life, the show tells a story about how over time our identities are malleable and how we all have the capacity to change.
0: We're never stuck. You can change the story anytime. Isn't that nice?
6: I like that idea that you can change your story. You can change the narrative.
5: It would be a horrible world if people never changed for their entire life. Or they were, they were an angry person or an upset person or depressed person. And it's like, that's your fate. But that's not true. Do you think you've changed that much? I feel like, yeah, I'm a very different person than I was when I was young. Were you conscious of, of those changes? Sometimes my friends would say, you're really different than what you used to be when I first met you. You're a really different person now.
6: By the way, were they saying that in a nice way or...? Was that being yelled out at, at the top
5: of their lungs? <laughs> it was a nice way. It was like, wow, you've really changed.
9: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
0: Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
9: I could stay here forever.
0: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit carvana.com today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now
6: an update on a story we reported this past October on Dominion Voting System's defamation lawsuit against Fox News. It accuses Fox News and some of its hosts of knowingly and repeatedly broadcasting false allegations by Trump campaign lawyers and supporters, among them that Dominion rigged its vote-counting machines to switch Trump votes to Joe Biden. Dominion's CEO, John Pulos told us it was no accidental error by Fox.
4: It was a very clear calculation that they knew there were lies and they were repeating them and endorsing them.
6: Fox Chairman Rupert Murdoch acknowledged as much in a deposition released this past week. That follows text and emails showing some hosts themselves didn't believe the allegations they were repeating. I'm Anderson Cooper. We'll be back next week with another edition of 60 Minutes.
1: If you like 60 Minutes, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, Tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com
8: survey. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit Cox.com five for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.
2: A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on
6: Wondery Plus.